Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Jesus on relationships. This is, this is the title of the message. Jesus on relationships. And, um, you know, most people are looking for healthy relationships, but they don't know how. Right? They want their relationships to be good. They want their, 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 their lives to be meaningful and fulfilling, but so often they're just deeply wounded. They're wounded by their history. They're wounded by their past. And the truth, the axiom, maybe you've heard it before, hurt people hurt people and are easily hurt by others. Right? And so, so it's, there's all these people wandering around and they're trying to get into good relationships, but it's so hard on them. It's because they don't understand how it works. And, and let's be honest. I mean, we've all had some lousy friends. Have you, have you ever had a lousy friend? <laughs> like, have you ever been a lousy friend? Come on, yeah. It's, it's like, there's, a, there's different types of friendships, and some of them are just so awful. Like, have you ever met the flaky Phil? The flaky Phil, right? Like you, like you want, like you make plans all week and you're ready to go and then suddenly he cancels. Or you make plans and then at the last minute he gets a better offer and he does that thing instead. Yeah, That's I hate a, those I people. Hate yeah. Those are terrible. How Rude. about the negative Nancy? You ever, you ever seen the negative Nancy? Yeah, she's always <laughs> total downer. Uh, every storm could be a tsunami. <laughs> every winning lottery ticket could end up in bankruptcy. Like every conversation, no good news deserves to go untrampled. How many of you ever met the one-upper? Oh. The one-upper. Oh, I hate those <laughs> Lots guys. Lots of people. <laughs> the one-upper. You're telling a great story. It's like awesome. It's incredible. You saw this movie. It was so moving. It was so amazing. And then they got to tell how they met the movie star. <laughs> Always got to one-up you. Always got to say something better. And then, of course, there's the constant critic. You ever met the constant critic? The constant critic always, everything you do is not good enough. Mother-in-law is sometimes the constant critic. No. Except for mine. That's right. That's right. And mine. I have good ones as well. Don't you just wish we could uh, make friends like when you were a little kid? It would just seem so easy when you were little. Um, Our son, our oldest son, we have five kids. So our oldest son is 23 and he's married. But when he was five... Um, we were on vacation in Breckenridge. We lived in Colorado. And after dinner, we were walking back to our place and he saw this little boy uh, who had a bike. And he went over to the little boy and he said, hey, do you want to be friends? And the little boy said, yes. And Zachary said, then let me have your bike. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's so easy for us to think about friendship from our point of view instead of the point of view of what others need. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about Jesus on relationships from Matthew chapter 5. If you want to turn there in your Bible, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read through these uh, Beatitudes, but we're going to read through the whole passage, and we're just going to kind of go on a journey about what Jesus thought about relationships. And I want to highlight something for you right, right here up front. Good relationships are no accident. Mm-hmm. They don't accidentally happen. They are intentional. Yes. 
They happen on purpose. They happen because we understand how to build them and how to relate to people where they are. And so we're going we're gonna to read this passage, and I'm, I'm going to use the Message Bible Translation, which is a modern-day uh, paraphrase, because I think, I think it's so, it's, while it's not a word-for-word translation, I think sometimes we need the words of Jesus to jump off the page for us in a new way. And so we're going to do that tonight and, um, and let him speak to us. Babe, do you want to read? Sure. You want to read the... <clears throat> Matthew 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever meet. Amen. The first idea I want to suggest to you that Jesus is drawing us to is to have good relationships, you have to begin with God. Number one is begin with God. You can't really have healthy relationships unless you understand how you're made. And your most important relationship is the one that you have with your heavenly father, the one that you have embraced with Christ. And don't ask God to join your relationships Ask, uh, ask God to um, give you understanding about which relationships you should have. And that's so important because people don't usually think about it like that. They just, yeah. you know, you meet somebody, you hit it off, you're good friends, and you get along really well and have fun. But is that relationship really healthy for you? You know, good relationships help us to grow if you're in a relationship with someone, you should be growing in your relationship with Jesus and your character and who you are. You just, uh, we don't need to just have a relationship with anybody. God wants to be involved in that decision in your life because relationships are the most important things on this earth. Is that, isn't that true? Yes, and that's the only is. thing you can take with your people. And I, I think what Jesus is doing here, he's, he's couching this beginning of this talk here in, in talking about who's blessed or who's happy. And he's talking about it from the perspective of when you recognize your need, that's when you realize who you are, that you need him, that you're spiritually impoverished, that you need help choosing the right relationships, that you need his assistance in cultivating uh, the right relationships and the right interactions with people. And uh, I think it's Philippians 2.13 that says, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And if you think about that scripture right there, God gives both the desire and the ability He gives you the desire for him and the ability to cultivate the relationship with him. And um, I think he wants to help us if we'll let him. I think to build strong, healthy relationships, you've got to begin with God. Amen. So let's continue with verse 7. Verse 7 says, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. That is 
is a tweetable verse right there. (laughs) Verse eight, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in your outside world. So what this is pretty much saying is work on yourself. You need to be the friend that you want. Does that make sense? I tell single ladies this all the time. You need to be the kind of person that you want to attract. So if you want somebody who's put together, who cares about himself, who has his hair brushed, who has a job, who, who isn't needy, who's self-confident, right. then you need to develop those things in yourself. Because people, if the barn needs painting, it needs painting. My barn, you know, have you heard that expression? The barn needs painting your face. Okay. Anyway. You're way better than a barn, babe. <laughs> Thanks, babe. You're like a really wonderful apartment building, shapely and. That's so romantic, yeah. I think. Um, Thanks. That was a good try, babe. So yeah, so so work so work on yourself because if you don't love yourself, it says in the scripture. I mean, if you don't love yourself, how can you love others? Amen. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't really, you don't have anything else to give anybody else. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 4.23. And it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. I love that translation. The things of your heart determine the course of your life. So we need to take time to examine our hearts. As we're working on ourselves, we need to examine our hearts and what is in our heart. And if we have lots of hurts and woundedness and unforgiveness, that's going to take us down a path and a path to relationships that we don't need in our lives. So it's important to, in our busy, busy culture and society to stop and be with Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be silent. I'm going to let you search my heart and see if there are things that are, that are not good for me. Um, that are taking me down the wrong path. I, w- I want to have a healthy heart, so I go down the right path for my life to healthy relationships. Yeah, the real idea is you're only as your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. Mm-hmm. Your relationships can only be as health- healthy as you are. And listen, the truth is, we all need work. We're all in process. There are no perfect people. We're all working through this. And so what you need to realize is you and I, we've got to take the responsibility. Read a book. Invest in yourself. Learn, grow, become interesting. Um, (laughs) Ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. Ask your spouse. She has some for you. I think these are the things that healthy people do. We got to be the kind of people who attract others instead of repel them. Work on yourself. And in, in, in reality, what Jesus is saying here in this little passage is the gospel, the good news of, that he's bringing depends on you being that kind of person mm-hmm. that people are drawn to, that people would like to know You and I need to be the kind of people others want to be friends with, not holier than now, not overly spiritual, not consumed with ourselves, but healthy on the inside, healthy on the outside, and welcoming others into relationship. Verse 9, if we continue, it says, you're blessed 
when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. So number three is be a positive influence. Be a positive influence. Here's how I'd like to say it. Be a solution person and not a problem person. Be a person who comes up with solutions for people and you'll never lack for friends. You'll always have people around you who, who, who want to hang out with you and who you, they want you in their life and, and they're creating meaning for your life. Here, it reminds me... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I no. thought you were done. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. After you, honey, because you never talk very much. That's good. <laughs> I'm the one who talks all the time. I'm the loquacious one. <laughs> Ooh. You go ahead, babe. No, I was just going to go to the Bob principle because I love the Bob principle. (laughs) So I'm going to read the Bob principle to you. Do you guys know what the Bob principle is? You ever heard of the Bob principle? Why don't you tell me what the Bob principle is? Okay, I'm telling you what the Bob principle is. Here it is. You'll want to write it down. The Bob principle, if Bob always has a problem with others, Bob may be the problem. (laughs) That's the Bob principle. Maybe. That's fun, isn't it? (laughs) That was awesome, babe. I'm glad you took time to say that. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. There's something called the the 32nd rule. It would be a good thing to practice the 32nd rule at Tree of Life. Right? And, and, and the reason I say that is because if we practice these things in here, then we can do them out there. Mm-hmm. But so often our churches don't practice them in here. We come in, we got a nice happy face. Hey, how's it going? We just kind of, we don't think about what's going on in that person. We're just worried about what they think of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's the 30 second rule. Within 30 seconds of meeting someone or seeing them, say something encouraging to them. Within 30 seconds of seeing someone, say something encouraging about them or to them. And uh, people will become, I believe, what we say to them, what we invest in them. We don't deny reality, but we see what is possible because we know God. We know we're God's people, and so we, we treat one another with that kind of respect and love, and, um, and so... I think this is part of what Jesus is saying here. Be a positive influence. Nobody likes negative people. Verse 10, ready? Are you still with me? Verse 10, all right? Jesus says, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Wait a minute. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. (laughs) And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. You see, when you are a positive person or when you're a person who is thinking about others, it won't always be received well. In some cases, it may actually provoke something. 
Because all of us are spiritual beings. Many people don't understand that they are. But there is a spiritual dynamic going on in the world between darkness and light, between life and death, and you're carrying life around in us, in, in you, and, and we all are in our hearts and in our minds and in the way we treat people. And, and, it, and sometimes people will respond to you in a negative way. So number four, I think Jesus is coaching all of the people listening at the Sermon on the Mount He's coaching his disciples to respond to negative people with confidence and conviction. Confidence and conviction. Sometimes your commitment to God will cause people to resist you or dislike you or even work against you. You shouldn't be surprised at that. Not everyone we meet will will connect with us, and that's okay too. The Bible has this idea, Jesus Jesus highlighted this idea to his disciples when he sent them out. He said, I want you to look for the the person of peace. That means the person you have a connection with. You won't connect to everybody. You've got to look for them. Mm -hmm. God will lead you to a person of peace where you can share what God wants you to share with that person. And And he says, it's okay if people respond negatively. Let that drive you. Instead of being insecure about yourself, instead of getting mad at them, Instead of seeing if you can give a bad Yelp review on their business, <laughs> that we don't let any of that happen, but let it drive you deeper into God's kingdom, into his desires. We engage with people, with people in confidence and conviction because of what we believe. Here's what 1 Peter 4.12 says. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter says this is normal. Verse 13, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I think where we are in our culture, everything is so politically charged. Everybody is so overly sensitive about everything. And it's, it is going to be challenging in the days and months and years ahead, I believe, in our nation. And we got to get this down. Because when people are responding to us in a negative fashion... What will we do? One of my favorite quotes is, situations don't make you or break you. They simply expose you for who you really are. And, and we got to settle that, that, that what's in here, we got to go deeper into God's kingdom and make sure that's what's happening in here so that when we face that kind of trial, that kind of difficulty, that we're, we're not overwhelmed by it, we're not upset by it, we're not even surprised by it, like it's some strange thing, as Peter says. You know what helps me with that, to not, to not be offended so easily and to not get defensive, is something I heard uh, by, from Brene Brown. Um, she's a brilliant author. brilliant author, TED Talk person. She writes stuff on vulnerability and relationships. And she was talking about living in the benefit of the doubt, and how when somebody says something to you that kind of makes you go, huh? Or you feel a little offended by. Or how rude. Or how rude. If, you know, if that's your first thought, I think we should train ourselves for our very first thought to be, 
you know, they were probably having a bad day. I'm just going to chalk that up to a bad day and not apply motive (laughs) to something they said. Because maybe it was just they were having a bad day and something came out wrong and, and then you're thinking that they hate you when in truth it had nothing to do with you. So I think when we encounter people who are critical or negative, let's just, let's just live in the benefit of the doubt. That keeps our hearts so innocent and, and, and forgiving and full of junk in it. If we just say, you know, something was behind that and it wasn't yep. about me. Yep. I'm just going to go on. And I think this is a really big idea. Let God be your defender in that way. When you get attacked, let God defend you. He's way better at it than you are. Right? He's way better at it than you and I are. Let God fight for you. You don't have to be a doormat, but you do have to carry a towel around because you're going to be called to wash people's feet and to serve them. So there's a, there's a, there's a real thing here, how we respond to negative people. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so uh, you want to read the next little section? Sweetheart, right salt and light? Salt and uh-huh. light. Here, read up here. Let me tell you why you are here. What? Do you not know why? No. Say it again. <laughs> let me tell you why you are here. Okay. Now, I, we're gonna, I'm telling this you why is you're big. here. Jesus is saying, let me tell you why you're here. Okay. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Ooh, I'm gonna read that again. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Oh, I like that. Number five is help people win. Help people win. Once you help someone win, you'll have a friend for life. Mm-hmm. You make their life better. You do something that helps them. You cause them to be more successful. You give them a chance. When they make a mistake, you provide a, a place for them to fail and start again. When you help them win, your generosity, my generosity, to others reflects God's generosity. And that causes them to respond to him. Make life taste better for people. Make life tasty. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Bring light into every dark place. Help people by making them successful. One of my favorite authors is John Maxwell. I think he's a a tremendous uh, leadership coach and mentor. Here's what he said, and you can write this down if you want to. There's four kinds of people. Four kinds of people. Let's see which one you are. Some people add something to life. Some people add something to your life, and we enjoy them because they add. And we appreciate the fact that they've added something to our lives. But some people subtract Some people subtract something from your life and we tolerate them. We're like, "Mm, I don't really want to hang out with Joe today. He's a life sucker, sucker. that's right. (laughs) 
The third kind of person is some people multiply something for life. When people come along in your life and they not only add something, but they help you take huge steps forward. Huge steps forward in your life. Dealing with your yesterdays. Dealing with the challenges of your past. Helping you in your future and charting a course. Walking with you. Some people, they help multiply things in our lives and we value them. We want to keep them close. The fourth type of person is some people divide something in life. They're divisive and we, we, we got to yeah, avoid them. them. You got to avoid them. Don't subtract. Don't divide. Don't just add. Be the person who multiplies. Jesus was a multiplier. He did it twice with bread and fish in the story of the, of the Gospels. He calls us to that same kind of life. The next segment, verse 21, Jesus begins to land on some subjects. And here he says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so, so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hell fire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Number six is say the right words at the right time. Say the right words at the right time. There's a, many p- people try to say the right words, but it's the wrong time. <laughs> I think that happens a lot. In marriage, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll just use you as an example. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, by using her as an example, I'm probably becoming an example myself. <laughs> it's the only, it's the only illustration I can think of. Okay. At night, I'm so tired, and she's like starting to get wired up. And so, she, yeah, you're out in like two seconds. I'm out. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> out. <laughs> And so it's that moment where she says, so what did you think about that today? That was snoring. It's the right thing. I want to talk to her about what happened, but I, that is the wrong time for me. I cannot do no, it. No, it's more like when you're watching ESPN or something. That's the worst time. Let's go ahead and move on. But I've on. learned to say, hey, is this an okay time? Can we talk about this now? Yeah. And then he'll say, no, I'm watching the game. I say, okay. I very rarely say that. Yeah, you do. You've grown. Yes, thank you. Thank you. This is so good for us right here. It's like therapy in a way, right? In front of people, it's so good. (laughs) Here's the point. Recognize the power of your words. Life and death. Our words have life and death in them. That's what Proverbs 18.21 says. It says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's not necessarily this... Good fruit. If your words are bad, uh, they really can hurt people. Once you say things to people, it sticks in their mind for a long time. What you say to your kids is really important. Shape, shapes who they are and who they'll be. Mm-hmm. I think it's important on the positive side to let people know that you need them. I don't think we're very good at this in, as a culture in general. We don't want to let people know that we need them. But as soon as you let them know, very often it's, it, they, they, will, they will gravitate to you to help you. I think we have to compliment people in front of others. 
we have Ma, to... you look very handsome tonight. Well, thank you. I love those glasses. Thank you. So that's how you do that. That felt really <laughs> cheesy. Don't do it that way. Here's what I want to tell you. Encourage people's dreams. Now, you know what you have to do to encourage people's dreams? You got to know what they are. You got to ask them what's in their heart. You have to spend time long enough with them. You have to spend enough time to get that into the conversation. And so one of the things we've tried to practice here is writing notes to our kids. Um, I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have texting. <laughs> so now I just tec- I, now I text, I text my kids things during the day. I'll be thinking about them and I'll just say, man, I'm so proud of you. I'll think of something you know, specific that they are doing. Um, my, my oldest son, Zachary, is a youth pastor at our church, and I'm just watching him grow in such phenomenal ways, and he's really taking care of people, and he's so insightful. And, and, and so I just tell him, and I don't wait. Like when I'm thinking about it, I just say, oh, I'm going to text him that, and I'm going to do that. I think we have to make those kinds of things a habit, and it'll feed each other. It'll feed people and build yes. relational capital and fabric and bonding. You know, I think the Holy Spirit really does talk to us a lot about this. I think when we go throughout our day, you'll just get somebody's name dropped in your spirit, in your head. And that, don't don't like ignore that. Stop in that minute and pray for that person and send them an encouraging text or write them a note. Those are really Holy Spirit moments. Yeah. Good. Verse 23 says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. This is a fascinating little passage. I bet you didn't know how much the Sermon on the Mount had to say about relationships, did you? Because sometimes we read it with a different lens. But I want you to see that number seven is treat relationships like spiritual treasures. Mm -hmm. Treat relationships like spiritual treasures. We got to protect them because they're so important. And what Jesus is saying in this passage, what does he say? He says, when you come to the altar and, and, he's, and he's talking about something in their day where they would bring a sacrifice and they would remember that there's something that, that a, a friend or a brother or sister has against them and they would remember this. He said, leave it there and go make it right. Then come and bring your gift. Now, I think, I think this indicates that there's a hierarchy of biblical principles and sometimes we think church stuff and worship stuff and things that, we, that we're doing for God are most important. And what he's saying is, no, relationships are more important. Mm-hmm. Your own personal worship, your own sacrificial acts, they're not as important as fixing relationships. He says, leave the gift, go make it right, then come back and offer your gift. Any act of worship, it doesn't rise to the priority of building and protecting and fixing and healing relationships. This is so big to God. And and of course, in Matthew 6, Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves break in and steal or do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Let your heart be attached to people. They're the only thing you take with you to heaven. You know, and in Matthew 18, it tells us how to make things right with people Mm -hmm. who you've offended or you're offended by. And it talks about going to that person. You know, it doesn't say go to your best friend, Mary, and then Judy, and go to your prayer group and talk about it first, and then (laughs) pray about about it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Praying about it. It says go to that person and make it right with that person. And, and that's how we're supposed to do it in the body of Christ. We're supposed to treasure those relationships so much that we, that we protect it and we keep it between those people. Um, not that you can't talk to a, a trusted good friend about what you're supposed to do, but there's a difference between that and then going to your prayer group and getting you know, advice from five million people. That's more like gossip. Yeah, and we're, <laughs> I don't want to take too long on this, but I think this is a real violation of God's people because I think we do this more often than we realize. The instructions here are when you have someone has sinned against you in Matthew 18, you go to them by yourself. Those are the instructions of Jesus. After you go to them and it doesn't work, you can talk to another friend about it. Well, do I always have to go if I feel, maybe it's just I'm the problem. Yeah, that could be. So one good thing to do is pray about it before you go talk to them. You pray about it, it might just be you and you just need to get over yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but, but there's something so powerful about this. If we'll just, I like in my church all the time, I'm watching people violate this rule and then they get in little tiffs and little fight and, they're just, and I'm like, well, did you go talk to each other First, we'll know, yes, I tried to, right? Is there all these excuses? I think this is really a big deal. Um, when we protect relationships, we treat them like treasures. And then the rest of the chapter begins to deal with how our hearts struggle with relational violations and motives. Uh, he goes through adultery and divorce and oaths and how to treat people who hurt you. And then he ends with this, verse 43, and love your enemies. Check this out. And this is where we'll end tonight. He says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that, he says. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, verse 48 says, what I'm saying is grow up. (laughs) Come on, everybody say it together. Grow Grow up. up. (laughs) Such a pastoral message here tonight. He finishes with these words, your kingdom subjects. In other words, you belong to the kingdom of God. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. Number eight is simply love your enemies and grow. Love your enemies and grow. You may not realize it, but there's going to be people in your life that are going to force you to grow. They're going to feel a little bit like people who are always kind of against you and you're going to have to love them well. And God's going to allow that to happen. Every 
pain in the neck person that you know (laughs) is an opportunity for God to work growth into your life, to work maturity into your life. But we never see it that way. We're like, God, would you please get rid of this person? I can't stand it. You know, like uh, we, we just, we don't see that it's an opportunity. Galatians 5.22, check this out. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what I want to leave you with tonight. Relationships are the method and the measurement for God's work in our lives. Relationships are both God's method and his measurement system for maturity. How do you know if you're loving if you're not in meaningful relationships? How do you know if you're patient if you don't know any pain in the neck people? (laughs) It's really true. And very often those pain in the neck people are at work, at your work, and you've got to work around them all day. Some of them are sitting right beside you right now. (laughs) No, probably not. Probably not. No. I think Jesus is trying to help us see that we're called into a kingdom that functions so much differently. Relationships, friendships are spiritual entities that he works in us and through us and he, he grows his kingdom in these relationships. So I, I, I want to leave you tonight with thinking about how you relate to Jesus himself and how you relate to the people around you. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. All of us can grow from this message. All all of us can do better at these things. But at the end of the day, we didn't come here to tell you you need to do better because that doesn't work. The message of the gospel isn't do better. It's surrender to Jesus. Surrender to his ways. Surrender to him. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.